Hello and welcome to Are We Gundam or Are We Isekai? The internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that was watching Destiny and then quit halfway through to do build divers because we have no sense of propriety. My name is Jeremy. 2v1 me, bro? I guess. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. I completely forgot what happened in this episode of Build Divers until you're a dumb joke, Tyler, so... Yeah, I was trying to come up with a dumb joke, and I couldn't think of anything remarkable about this episode for a few minutes. There is a moment that I laughed at in this episode, so there's that. It's not terrible. It's very guilty of Build Divers' big sin of, hey, let's focus on these side characters instead of these main characters, because we don't know who we want the show to be about. Is the one moment you laughed at, Zach, when Momo encountered Genki Boy? Yes. Yeah, that was pretty decent. (laughs) Look, it's good comedy. Momo's comedy has actually been pretty good. A lot of this episode works. It's just a matter of who is this show supposed to be about? Do we need an episode to pay off the rivalry between Tiger Wolf and Shariar? And do we need it this late in the series? I mean, they are pretty important characters if you just measure by screen time, right? This is the appropriate place to put them for resolving a rivalry or having it out against each other. But at the same time, there's so much other stuff going on. And we have so many other characters, especially main characters, that putting so much focus on these side characters is a little bit along the lines of why? Yeah, like, who do the writers think the main characters are even? Because (laughs) Shariar and Tiger Wolf have definitely gotten more than Momo and Koichi. And probably more than Yuki as well. The writers are clearly more interested in these characters. Yeah, which, you know, makes a fair amount of sense because I'm also more interested in the side characters on average. And Gundam Build Fighters, which this is descended from, had a very large cast and put a lot of time in side characters. The problem, as I've said before, is each Gundam Build series until Rerise made the core cast larger. Rerise goes down to four characters with two that are heavy side characters, for lack of better term. How many characters would you say are main characters in Destiny? Because you said they keep going up. There are a lot. Destiny has twice as much room to work with, remember? Yeah, that's true. And they would have known that going in. So there's certainly a difference there. Destiny also has the huge advantage of getting to take Atherin, Kira, etc. from the previous series. They don't really have to establish them. Kigali and Vlachis as well. Maru, I would not count her as a main character, but a huge portion of Destiny's cast comes with a backstory you can be expected to know or be told, go here for it. So it's a really bad comparison point. How many main characters are there in Gundam Wing? Five. Yeah, I would say six. I would count Zex as a main character. But again, it has twice as much room. Are you counting Relina as a side character? I was going to say maybe seven. I'd probably count Relina as a main character. Rewatching it as I am now, you're probably right. But again, twice as much space to work with. And also, what are Troy's personality traits? Losing his memory. Having that hair flip. It's not great either. But at the same time, when you have a cast of five, you kind of expect some to pop to the front and some to fade to the back. And I would say Wing spends a lot less time on its side characters, proportionally. Certainly, Trey's and Lady Un get a lot of play. But for a good chunk of it, Trey's is one of the main antagonists, so... Yeah, and Lady Un is his Darth Vader. Yeah, so it makes sense that he'd get a lot of screen time. Yeah, and Gundam Build Divers really, I feel like, does not know how to manage its time for characters. Like we've talked about, Momo hasn't gotten an episode at all, which, given this show's target demographic, is maybe on purpose, but there's a huge unexplored chunk of Koichi's backstory, in my opinion, that could have made him as interesting a character as Ayame. I would definitely agree with that, because they just don't really dive into Koichi's background. 
And clearly they have an arc in mind for Yuki, but they don't execute on it well, in my opinion. It's fine. For the character he is, it works fine. But when you look at how they failed on all these other characters, it becomes more noticeable. Whereas, like I said, Tiger Wolf weirdly gets a real arc through the series. It kind of comes in near the end, but it works. I'd agree with that. Like I said, it's just weird. Like, who do they think the main characters are is, I think, a valid question. They seem way more interested in Kyoya, Rommel, Tiger Wolf, Sharyar, and Maggie than in Riku, Momo, Yuki, Koichi, and Ayame. I almost am more interested in a prequel series where all these characters are being established than in this series. Yeah, no, I I think you're right about that, Tyler. Like, what conflict do they face? It could work, certainly. And I like their roles in Re-Rise when they get reprised, although they are to different degrees. Like, Tiger Wolf is barely in Re-Rise. With them, it's a matter of, uh, you just make it into a, uh, what's it called? A true esports story. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) The problem with that is, you know, the ending, but you also know the ending of Gundam Build Fighters. You're not 12. You're not Riku. All right. So with that said, shall we get into it? Yes. We're watching episode 23, The Fateful Two. You can watch along on Crunchyroll or YouTube or Funimation if you are so inclined. So we start off reestablishing the stakes of the battle, or I should say the setup with it being a flag battle. We basically start with the last few minutes of the last episode. Yeah, because they have to redraw something. I guess they don't really redraw it. They just show that the shuffle that looked like it exploded survived. Did it? I thought it actually crashed and it's got wreckage in it. But it didn't explode in the air? Yeah. Last episode, it looked like it was exploded in the air. Gotcha. They are recontextualizing that they made a a crash landing. It's not no consequences, but it is a different sort of consequence than we were led to believe before. And all of these shuttles take pretty heavy damage before they manage to land. Their plan is terrible. Should I point this out? (laughs) It could be worse. I don't think it's great. I think it is a poor use of the resources. That's definitely true. So we cut to the Star Wars briefing room. Apparently a couple of the shuttles crashed on the floating islands. I like how they're named after Knights of the Round Table. Oh, we found that out last week in text. I still like it. We get a zoom in on the crash-landed shuttle, and we see a bunch of Gumpla wreckage that looks like the double-O sky. And nobody would think that... The sky is wrecked. Like, why do you say that? Because, like, nobody watching this show, for certain. They've seen these guys in action before. They're not that stupid. Okay, but, like, the idea is that they can't control what shuttles get fired on, though. That's effectively random, right? Yes, it would be. But if you're going to do something that overt, you go straight down the middle. It's obvious if something gets cracked that you're... It's the distraction. It's obviously a, hey, look at this, so you don't look over here. Yes, and we we do, before going into the opening scene, get a close-in on the champion who does not look like he's taken the bait. But I think that is a realistic possibility that the Double O Sky would get shot down. Again, not in a show about Riku, the pilot of the Double O Sky. But as far as a random mook who is firing on the shuttle is concerned? Yeah. Also, like, this is a different question, but, like, how accurate are their landing points from space, right? How accurately can they get where they want to be? That shuttle might just have ended up too close. My question, actually, is a matter of uh, how many of these shuttles can they use? They seem to have three. I think they could have had more, but they didn't have enough people to pilot them. They had plenty of people to pilot them. They've got two pilots in every shuttle. (laughs) You don't need both of them. 
I mean, earlier it was established they do. I don't know why they do, but they had two of them when they did the Lotus Challenge as well. They only had two of them when they did the Lotus Challenge because they could only load four Gundams on it. Three Gundams. No, they could only fit three Gundams of their Gundams on board, so Momo and Koichi weren't able to participate in that manner. So in order to get them involved, they were piloting the shuttle. They didn't need them both. Koichi says, I'll need your help to pilot the shuttle. Now, if he's just being nice and getting Momo involved, I don't know. But that is a canonical line. I'm pretty sure he's just being nice and getting Momo involved. Because he did not need her help until after she decided to just ram something. They would not have won without her help. Also, I feel like most space shuttles are two-man pilot craft, although I don't know that they have to be. But you're right, more decoy shuttles would be good if they could get them. And presumably, Tsukasa and Koichi could fold some up. I mean, personally, I'm looking at it going, if I'm only dropping three shuttles on this, I'm dropping three Archangels or Minervas on this bitch. (laughs) I'm bringing in the full armor. One of the comments, I don't think it was on this episode, I think it was one or two, was, man, they should have gotten the Archangel's Archangel. That's what I'd do. I'd be like, all right, we're only taking in three shuttles. All right, we're getting Minervas and Archangels. We're getting the heavy firepower up in this, bitch. I I think we can assume that that is a very difficult resource to acquire in this game, because the implication is the Archangel is their force nest. Yeah, I know. That that was also the thing that I thought about. It's like, I mean, that would definitely be the option if you had the ability to. Is you bring in the the heavy guns of the Archangel slash Minerva. Or a white base. I was going to say a rock Hallium, but the rock Hallium is incapable of atmospheric flight. A, a Neil Argama, that's got a big cannon. That's probably the most heavily armed ship in Gundam canon. It's not even necessarily the heavy armament. It needs heavy armor to, to take the hits. So we get the opening sequence and cut back to Sarah being very waifish as she launches the battle. And the GM is here. You can tell he's up to ill intent because the lighting is creepy. But we cut back to Koichi before they can uh, have a conversation. And he bombards the emplaced cannons. One shell and he just takes them all out. It's frankly ridiculous. Yeah, although also I think he could probably know where they would all be. They're emplaced and they've been here before, so it makes sense. And... Ayame shows off the inverse ninja law by being a ninja and destroying like four <laughs> Gumpla in one attack. And we cut back to the past to Koichi's battle plan, where he explains that their plan is to get past the bulk of the forces with the shuttles and get in basically between the final line and the main battle line and try to get Sarah before the enemy can pull back. That's kind of their only option because they can't, they're outnumbered so heavily. You can't get yourself into a foot-slogging battle with the thousands of gunplay you're up against. Yeah. But Ayami points out they'll still have a huge force around the castle. So Koichi's like, yes, so we'll do a decoy plan. Cut back to Ayame, being overwhelmed. Well, the guards that were nearby are coming back to stop them, because they're starting to get bogged down. Yeah, but Yuki's like, Riku said I'm allowed to be a character again because he's desperate and needs help, so let me show off my new gunpla. The Jagan Blastmaster, which has, I think this is a double X thing. Uh, Yes, this is from Gundam X. I believe the X and the double X both have this satellite cannon, which, of course, GBN would also have because you got to support your X Gundams. Does he have, like, does that just follow him around? Like, does he always have access to that moon? I've not watched Gundam X. I believe it is a plot point when and when he when he can and cannot use it, but I have not actually watched it. I meant in this. Do you think he just always has access to that moon laser? 
I have no idea. I would say probably yes. Oh no, this is comes up with the same question with other environmental effects that we've seen. Like a lot of people seem to need magma to do things, and like how often do you have that? Yeah, but is this canon balanced around the fact that you won't always have access to that satellite? And is it server dependent? That would be interesting and makes sense because this thing is freaking ridiculous. We see it destroy a lot of Gumpla, including a duel and a buster hanging out together. Cut back to the briefing room where we see the champion starting to walk away. What dude with no name is calling for everyone to stand strong against them. It's clearly Nick Fury, Zach. I don't know why you say he doesn't have a name. Oh, yeah. Cut to the Game Master who has encircled Sarah in data, question mark? Like monitors. It looks like the same thing he did when he was talking to Kiyoya that one time. Yes, but they did that in double cyberspace. So he's trying to undercut the whole deal of winner gets to choose by just going ahead and deploying the patch against Sarah. I do love that Maul is like an angry dog. Right. Hissing at him. And he does at least try to reason with her, even if he is an asshole about it. And it's like, hey, you also said that you should be deleted. Let me delete you. And she's like, ah, crud, I did say that, didn't I? Uh, and he's about to hit the OK button. I love that. It just is, it's not deploy patch. It's not update system. It's murder little girl. And he's about <laughs> to hit OK. And it comes up with application locked. And the, the immediate thought I had was Miss Tori got in the way and locked him out of deploying it. That would make more sense. You know, temporarily to give them a chance to to participate in this battle to decide. But he turns around and it's Kiyoya has apparently stopped the game master from executing admin rights. Yeah, because he's at his house and, you know, freedom of speech only applies out in the public. You can't say anything you want in the champion's house, even if you're the game master, apparently. I do like this scene for establishing Kiyoya making choices. We talk a lot about how one of Bill Diver's problems, especially early on, is never making the characters choose between things, so you never get a sense for who they are. On the other hand, you're right, Zach, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense that Kiyoyo would be able to block the Game Master from doing something. He's the Game Master. Except for the fact that we've established multiple times that this is a terribly programmed game. Yes, except for that it's consistent with what Bill Divers has said before. It just doesn't make any sense. But Kiyoya's like, hey, you're in my house. I have administrative rights here. Uh-huh. So you can't delete Sarah without my permission, even if you're the GM. Also, it feels like he could just deploy the patch elsewhere and she would be deleted. But I guess I could just say not accept the patch on my server until I'm ready. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like, they want it to be this drama and I just don't see it because of that inherent problem of, Dude, this is the Game Master. This is the admin. How can you block him? It's not a drama thing, I think. I think it's to show that Kiyoya cares more about letting this play out than he does about his relationship with the GM or any potential consequences of this, which is a strong character move, which is something Build Divers needs more of. I do agree with you, Zach, though. It doesn't make any sense. Unless you established earlier that for some reason you need to physically destroy Sarah before you can apply the patch or something. There's lots of ways you can make this work beforehand. It still throws up a question mark, but not as big of one. But the rules of GBN have always been Calvin Ball, which has been our complaint the entire time. The Game Master couldn't do anything about the break decals because there was no evidence, but he could send out creepy sentry bots to observe everybody and try to murder little girls as soon as Sarah became the bad guy. Yeah... So the GM is just healing it about 
you know, leaving the fate up to the gunpla battle in GBN, like, how could you possibly do this? Eh, well. So Kiyoya is altering the deal, pray he does not alter it further. And by altering the deal, I mean sticking exactly to the deal they already had. That is another character thing. They had a deal, so he's going to continue holding to that deal. And he gets a line about how Sarah was supposedly created for the feelings of divers, and so he's like, if we created her, we have responsibility for her. So we'll decide what the future of GBN will be. And the GM's like, okay, yes, but you are a player. This is my job. Kiyoya pulls the friend card, though, and it real names the guy. Yeah, I was gonna... him right in front of Sarah. <laughs> She's going to sick her army of hackers on him. We cut to the lobby where people are just watching this, which I guess would be a spectacle. Patrick Colasar seems way into it. Someone says that the double O was on the shuttle, but someone else counters with, but it was so badly damaged you couldn't tell what gunpla it was. It was colored like the double O sky. I do like how we also see Doji in their force nest watching this. We see all of the, uh, everyone but Ogre on his force, but yeah, close up is on Doji, because he's the character whose name you might remember. Uh, cut to Momo, who is sneaking in through the moat slash sewer. Well, and she says, no one could possibly think I was doing this. And my first thought was, everybody would figure that. It's yep. the weak point, and you have an aquatic mobile suit. It's the obvious decision. It is. You would have to get there first. And so I think we can assume they managed that somehow without being detected. She's a ball. We also get a shot of the double O sky flying over it with a full weapons style pack. It looks very similar to the G-Selfs, though I'm not sure if it's that one or not. And we cut to the plan, and you know it won't work because it's being explained to us now. Kiwichi's like, well, ha- let them believe our gunpla was destroyed, and then try to sneak through. Riku, you and Momo will do the sneaking because you're the main character and she's got an aquatic mobile suit. And the rest of us will try to distract them long enough. And Riku does come back with an obvious question of how are we going to fake the gunpla being inside? Like, Could you get just parts to put in there? Because that would make sense. Yeah. Hero volunteers for the job. I'm not sure if we're supposed to think this is actually the wreckage of the shock Gundam or if they scanned in with just parts of double O mobile suits. I don't think it's super important either how this happened, but I am curious. It is too bad to me we don't get to see the super shock Gundam in this fight because it seems like the perfect place to use the super shock Gundam, and that's been in the opening sequence this entire series. I shouldn't say this entire series, the second half of this series, and got one showcase, but whatever. So apparently the Kizuna Gundam, which I think is that hideous thing from before, uh, is too big to load (laughs) on the shuttles. They can only carry three mobile suits at a time, or if they can't form their Super Shot Gundam. And it does explain why they can't use their gunpla and the shuttle, because at least three people who are going to fly them need to scan the shuttle in. Yeah. So Hero's like, I suggest you use our sacrifice for your benefit. And Rika's like, okay, I guess this is like a character decision. Not nearly as impressive as the one the champion just had, because it's the obvious thing to do, but okay. I like how everyone just says his name in response, like he said something really surprising or dramatic, when really he was just like, here's the mission statement, remember what we're doing again. Pretend I had a cool Captain America speech, please. The writers can't write one. And he's like, they helped us, even though they knew it was a dangerous mission. Dude, it's... A video game. It's not dangerous. They're not risking their lives or anything like that. I suppose they're risking their reputations in the game. Which, as we all know, the game is the most important thing in the world. But you're right, this does have the problem Gundam Build Divers has had constantly of treating the destruction of something as a huge deal when it's not. 
Riku has a speech about how determined he is over a montage of everyone else fighting. And we cut to the GM grumping <laughs> in a chair. I love the pouting GM here. It's just funny. So Kiyoya is talking to Sarah and she's like, why? And he's like, oh, this is my way of settling things. I can't help but get fired up when I watch Riku. I don't know why. He's so boring, but... He reminds me of what I used to be like before I grew a personality. And hey, I want to ask you one last time what you want. But don't answer now. Wait, because I know you'll give me the bullshit answer now. Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's like, wait until everything's done before you answer, or before you give me your answer, because things keep changing. And I wonder if he's in a position where he's like, even if Riku loses, if you say you want to live, I'm going to back you up. I'm curious if that's what his thought is here. It sure comes across that way. I had the same thought when I saw that. But we see the champion launch. So the Age 2 is another transforming mobile suit? Yeah. It's based on the Zeta Gundam. The Age 1 is the Gundam, the Age 2 is the Zeta, and the Age 3 is the double Zeta. And the Age FX is the new Gundam. Ah. Because Gundam Age is kind of a retelling of the first three Gundam series, but not really at all. And I thought we saw it transform when it was the Dark Hound as well. Maybe, I don't remember. Apparently, Koichi is getting really surrounded. And Amelia is like, I am also a smart tactician person. You did not trick us. And I love that Genki boy is like, man, no one would attack us from underwater. Why are they sending me here as he's on the elevator? I love this <laughs> shot of just like this entire sequence because the door's open and the Momoka pool is just standing there. And so they stand there and stare at each other. Like it's the obvious joke for so long. It's great. But they just, it's such a long time. And this is also the kind of like situational joke I always like. And then they both start screaming. But Riku is also cut off by Randy. I mean, yeah, they, they have a good strategist. They're not number one in the world for nothing. Of course they anticipated you. Koichi's smart, but he doesn't have all the experience that Miss Amelia does. I do think he came up with the best possible plan. Like, what could they do that would have worked better? No, I mean, it, it is their only real option, because you can't blitz this. You're too outnumbered, and it's too easy to get bogged down. You needed to do something underhanded. We cut to Maggie, who is cutting through things, but then we get the opening from the animation of Rommel deploying, and Rommel has deployed. I do like how Maggie calls him Romchan. Everybody is Romchan to Maggie. Maggie is everybody's mom. Tiger Wolf is also dynasty warrioring his way through people. And we see Yuki has also put a hyper mega cannon from the Zeta Gundam on his Blastmaster, but it is intercepted from the tree line. Isn't that the uh, the double Zeta's hyper mega cannon? Yeah. Did I say the Zeta? I did mean the double Zeta. The Zeta does not have a big forehead cannon. And Tiger Wolf identifies it's Shariar's mobile suit. He's like, ugh, I knew you'd be here. And he's like, thought you'd be here sooner. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's like, I couldn't get a hold of him. So, of course, Shariar would be on the other side. Tiger Wolf is like, ah, I've been itching to 1v1 you, bro. You have no idea all that teasing you've been doing. And Shariar's like, me too, bro. And Tiger Wolf's like, Yuki, you go on. I'll 1v1 him. Here, at the Baron. That's not how you do it, Tiger Wolf. You call for the 1v1 at Baron, then bring your whole team. No, Tiger Wolf is the dumb... That's the Shariar move. Tiger Wolf is the dumb one who shows up on his own. You called for a 1v1. Yeah. 1v my team. <laughs> 1v my one team. So Tiger Wolf's like, why would you uh, side with the administration? You seemed like a good guy. My immediate thought was, I'm not siding with the administration, I'm siding against you. Which is essentially what he says, although it's 
less morally against him and more he got jealous of that time Tiger Wolf 1v1 Riku and decided he wanted to do it himself. Sharyar wants a 1v1, so of course he picked the opposite side so that he could get to 1v1. Sharyar gets some villain lines about how GBN is just data and doesn't matter, so Tiger Wolf can scream some passion lines back at him. It, this is nothing. He gets some shonen main character lines. I do love that Sharyar's like, ooh, how romantic. And Tiger Wolf's like, don't change the subject, we're fighting now. Make up sexes later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a really good thing someone doesn't take a pot shot at Tiger Wolf while he's just standing here. I mean, Sharyar seems way more pot shotable. Like, there are a few people to take one. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They don't have the people to pot shot t- Sharyar, whereas Sharyar has an army. So they start to 1v1. We cut to Maggie and Rommel, who are also 1v1ing, though this is more Rommel stepping in to save his brigade from Maggie just destroying them. And Rommel's like, oh, don't make me shoot you, Maggie. <laughs> and Maggie's like, I ain't making you do nothing. You know, don't blame me for your actions. And Rommel's like, why don't you get it? Why do you want to destroy GBN? It's irreplaceable to you. And then Maggie comes back with what we've been saying the entire time, more or less. You can't replace a newborn life. This is a game. That's a person. I do love that in the Sharyar Tiger Wolf fight, though. Uh, Sharyar tries to close combat him, and Tiger Wolf calls him out on it. He's like, yeah, well, I had to try. Would have been pretty cool. Well, and apparently he's got another transformation for his mobile suit and gives himself some boxing gloves. Or boxing claws. And Tiger Wolf's like, all right, then. I'll show you my super secret cool move. We just use a special move for the time being. Gotta pat out this episode so we get the fir- full animation of it. But Sharyard transams to dodge it. Yeah, it just immediately transams because that seems balanced. And with the transam, he's able to get in a bunch of anime style hits and put Tiger Wolf on the ground. Now is when Tiger Wolf is like, I'm going to show you my super secret technique. Yeah, I didn't show everything in the battle with Riku. I'm actually not as dumb as you think I have. I am. (laughs) No, I like it the other way better. (laughs) Says, you're the first person who's ever made me use this move. I have an even secreter technique. You can tell because I'm doing martial arts poses. And it's a Tiger Kamehameha. Well, I don't think necessarily that's the actual move he's talking about. It's the one that comes right after that. Because the Tiger Kamehameha, like, locks him in place. Okay, you're right. A tiger power gazer. Or is this more a but? No, this is more power gazer than Buster Wolf. Yeah, it's definitely more power gazer. A Buster Wolf would have been a good pun. It would have been a pun just for me and Tyler, but it would have been good. And he just wrecks Sharyar. He doesn't explode because he's a main character, so he doesn't just go down. But he is put in a crater on his back, and Sharyar's like, oh, we're just a couple of freaks, right? Freaks in the sheets, you and me. I got totes jealous after you fought Riku. I was like, oh, man. I want to battle him. So that's why I joined. He's giving his, like, lost soliloquy, and Tiger Wolf just looks like, dude, shut up. I got shit to do. I don't care. I think Tiger Wolf cares a lot about his boyfriend's feelings now, but he is also in a spot where he's like, I do have to go help Riku, though. No, it's just his express the, the way his expression looked was just the, I don't really care. Uh, to me, it looks somber. To me, it looks contemplative, actually. It's difficult to put expressions on a wolf man. That's true. But Charyar's like, hey, the Coalition is on to you. I'll tell you where their defenses are weakest, though. But before he can transmit it, it's the champ who also opening animations his way in. And he's like, I can't let you two get in my way. I figured I'd go cut off the head first. And Charyar's like, I'll take on the champ for you. You go help Riku. That actually makes more sense if Charyar can do anything to delay the champion because his Gundam is so badly damaged. 
That said, it's so badly damaged, I don't think it would be anything more than a speed bump. Yeah. And Tiger's like, hey, let's stop posturing. It's going to take both of us. And he starts deploying funnels, which I always like. Looks nice and intimidating. Meanwhile, Randy is chasing Riku. And importantly, not using his funnels. Because he's got the... He's got the... uh, I'm drawing a blank. The Mobius Zero. The gun barrel funnels. Those can't be used on the surface of the Earth in canon. Now, that said, neither can the Mobius Zero at all. So, I don't know how that works, but... Also, there's a chibi mermaid Gundam shooting him with lightning. So he shoots all the missiles he brought to take it out. But Randy's still there. And he destroys the now expended missile pack. I think it had guns on it, too. It did seem to have guns, but it also had missiles that were expended. I mean, that's how missile racks always work in Gundam. So you don't have to keep animating them. Cut back to the champion who's doing his special move, sabering out here. You know, given that it's a straight line, it would be pretty easy to dodge. It's not like it's a long or a wide attack yeah you would think it does look like a very flawed move it seems to take a year to charge up too so shariar gives tiger wolf his coast combat gloves so that he could tiger kamehameha with them to see if that's powerful enough to stop the champ and it is apparently strong enough to stop the champ's special move because it cancels it out yeah they have an old-fashioned beam clash for a bit before it all gets canceled out but the champ's like cool now i'll use my real moves I just like using that one because it's fun. I like to try for the instant kill, but <laughs> it's not practical. And it's cool. Cut the Nanami, who is pacing nervously, wondering if things are going well. And hey, a wild Tsukasa appears. Like, hey, where's the super server room? Kiwichi told you I'd be here, right? It's like, hey, so are you Tsukasa? And he's like, just show me. I have no time for introductions. I'm very rude. I mean, I could definitely believe that because he's currently trying to save GBN. Yes, he's trying to save GBN so he can take it apart. But... At the same time, it's got to rankle a little bit. Yeah, I think it's more if you want to be efficient, like sometimes a little kindness goes a long way. Like, hey, I'm Sukasa, show me the place. It seems like the fast way. Uh, meanwhile, Koichi is cool guys don't look at explosioning, but is pinned down by them. And even more enemies are coming. Him and Ayame have well and truly gotten bogged down, which that's about the worst thing that could have happened to them. Speaking from experience playing Payday, you can't afford to get bogged down on a lot of levels. Amelia says they're outgunned and they should give up, but of course, they're too shown in to give up. Momo is at least in a 1v1. I do like how Momo is being very like, well, we're going to do this, and Genki Boy's like, you know you can't beat me, right? It feels like I'm kicking a puppy. I do not like this. Why did Amelia make me do this? This is not fun. Cut back to Hiyaki, and hey, Ogre's here now, and he looks at Doji. And he's like, bro. But that's it. We cut to some servers where Tsukasa is putting in some stuff. Presumably the build decal. Yeah. Because he's talking with Miss Tori and she's like, build decal confirmed. So Tsukasa and Miss Tori measure their hacking penises. I do like how he says, so you don't trust me. And her immediate response is, yeah, I trust you just fine. Like, I I trust you implicitly. I'm not sure why, but. Miss Tori's like, anyway. Thanks to you and this technology you preserved from this cool older series, we might be able to save Sarah. He's like, thank you, uh, Shiba-san. And he's like, oh man, respect. I don't know how to deal with that. Let's just keep working. Close up on the Gumpla she's going to be transferred to that cuts to her back in her room with Molly being sad. So is she always, when she transfers into the real world, just be like a foot tall? It's kind of adorable. Yeah, that's exactly what I was expecting. Riku gets a hit on Randy with his big destiny cannon. Which puts him out of action. 
He defeated number seven. Now Riku is officially the sixth best player in the world. Wouldn't that put him at number seven? I'm sorry, you're right. Yes, number seven. But then... uh, Someone apparently threw a mountain at him. It's more between him and the castle. Because like I said, I'm pretty sure Kiyoya was ready for a colony drop. And he's like, oh, they didn't do one. I'll just do like a tiny one myself. Oh, man, that would have been so effective. I'm going to challenge you to a gunplay battle. Then I'm going to drop this colony on your gathered forces and follow it in. Oh, man, that would have been genius. Tyler proposed that last week. They have a giant crab. Like I said, it's just that that's such a common Gundam trope. I'd believe the champion was ready for it. That's why you use multiple colonies. Where are you going to get more colonies? It's the Gundam world. There's got to be more colonies just in orbit, and they probably can be dropped on the planet, because why would they not be able to? It's a Gundam thing. I mean, that was Zeon's plan. It didn't work out for them. Apparently, the giant rock that got thrown was Shariar and Tiger Wolf's grave, (laughs) because they're poking out of it, and they're like, yeah, there, Riku. But it's too late. The champion is descending down as the credits start to roll. And the champion looks at Riku and says, you owe me a mountain. (laughs) I swear if Riku ends up winning that fight. And that's it for the episode. We don't get like a whole scene through the credits this time. See, it would be one of those interesting things. If Riku wins the fight, it's one of those like, did the champion let him win? Like, was the champion effectively going easy on him? Yeah, like I said, I don't remember how this series ends exactly. I don't remember the details. Like, how does this fight go? Uh, And that does it for the episode. Which seems really, really short because we've been getting these super stuffed episodes with full credit sequences lately. But also, it just feels like it has some padding. Not a ton of it, but anytime Tiger Wolf is in a fight, we get the full animation sequences on his moves, and that takes a long time. The fight between Shariar, Tiger Wolf, and the champion has an obvious outcome, even though, to be fair, most of that is off screen. And there's so much focus on Shariar and Tiger Wolf. The fateful two in the episode are those two. This is their blow-off episode. It's just like we talked about up front. Why are we spending so much time with these characters? Well, like I said, I think Tiger Wolf gets an effective arc here. Shariar almost doesn't. Like, it's just a relationship thing between him and Tiger Wolf. Which is fine if the joke we have about them being lovers is true, but obviously it's not. Or at least most likely not. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about it, Tyler? Since, like I said, you were pretty quiet. Not a whole lot. It was fine um i think after watching it it just reinforces my opinions on the problems that we stated earlier in the episode is like we get a ton of time on side characters which is great except they're side characters establishing the fights is fine like i think the maggie and rommel stuff is exactly enough screen time for them yeah that's true i guess they don't really drag that on at all but also maggie really hasn't gotten a ton of screen time yeah well maggie has gotten a ton of screen time but she's never been a feature character Yeah, Maggie's screen time has been very different. Like, we complain about the way they use the ancillary characters, but Maggie's probably used exactly perfectly. They use Maggie to deliver exposition, to, like, just be an extra person to bounce ideas off of. She's basically the Master Roshi in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I think using Shariar and Tiger Wolf to job for the champion is a good way to raise the stakes at the end of this episode. So I also get wanting to show them fight it out before in order to establish their strength. But it is a lot of time spent on this episode. Like I said earlier, I didn't know how this battle was going to stretch out for this many episodes, but we spend so much time on this mini battle in it that I get it now. I just did not at all think on the like list of boxes that Gundam Build Divers needed to check off before the series end, it resolving the thing between Shariar and Tiger Wolf was not on my list. 
I don't feel like that actually needed to be resolved. Like, you don't need to wrap that up. It's not really a dangling thread or anything like that. Yeah. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I think mine is actually going to be, uh, I guess, Sharyar being satisfied with his fight with Tiger Wolf and then teaming up with him to fight the champion. It's presented as though it might be an actual heel turn, um, and I wasn't actually expecting him to join with Tiger Wolf at the end of it. Yeah, I actually do like that flip moment where he's like, okay, I got what I wanted. You are right. I should be on Riku's side. Here's what's up. Totally follows with the character as well. Yeah, yeah. also that. Uh, Zach, do you have a high point? I have to go with the one that made me actually laugh, and that was when Momo and Genki Boy ran into each other in the canals under the castle. Because like, that one actually made me laugh. I, super fair. Here's my problem. You two took the only two things that happened in this episode. Also that. <laughs> well, I mean, Riku shot down uh, Randy. Yeah, the T did. I'm going to go with what I think is going to be Zach's low point, and I will agree with him when he says that, but I'm taking a different angle of it, which is Kiyoya confronting the GM. I think him being genuine about it, using his real name and stating his reasons is all really good stuff. The reason that Riku's speech in the middle doesn't do anything and everyone being like Riku is powerless is because Riku says exactly the thing you expect him to say, and he's giving up nothing for it. Whereas the champion does is like a genuine character, not really development moment, but a character showing moment. Because he puts his he puts his reputation and his friendship on the line with this guy. Yeah. I mean, you're right. That's honestly I think I like I really like that part when he's talking to him. You're right about the low point side of things, but that's not really related to the confrontation itself. But Tyler gets a chance to steal your low point first. So Tyler, do you have a low point? Honestly, I'm not sure I actually have a low point, so I might actually let Zach do his first. Okay, uh, we'll come back to you. Zach, what's your low point? The champion locking out a GM of admin <laughs> privileges. What? The, that is not how that works. You can't stop a GM from doing whatever the hell he wants in the game. For me, I'm going to go with the pacing of the episode. The fight is fine when you're in it. It just, the episode seems like it goes by very quickly, which is usually a good thing, but it feels like nothing ends up happening in it, too. And the series has kind of bought itself an episode like that by going into this fight early. Like I said, like, what are they going to use three episodes for? They have the time to burn. But when we've had the last two or three episodes being so intense, raising the stakes so much and going through the credits, this feels like a real letdown, especially when you're watching it weekly. Uh, so Tyler, can you come up with something? Still nothing great. I guess I'm a little dissatisfied with how simple the Build Divers ploy is and the fact that none of them get taken down this episode, despite the absolutely overwhelming odds. I guess Shot Noir Neo went down for them, but like... Tiger Wolf's out of action. Okay, yeah, no, that's a good point. I forgot that Tiger Wolf actually is defeated because it happens in the last 30 seconds. And Sharyar, who you cannot count for them if you want, but he has pretty much flipped but when he's taken down. Yeah. They do have a little bit of Dynasty Warriors syndrome going on with their characters here. But how else do you do this fight? I'm not saying that you can't do that. I'm just pointing out that they do indeed have that. That is why having something else, like a heavy fire support, like even if they had that uh, the force nest, the, the giant crab thing providing orbital bombardment would also you know, be more of an explanation for why they're not being immediately overrun by all the gunplay that they're supposed to be fighting. Although the tone of Build Divers has been that already, right? 
Like, it seems like Tiger Wolf takes on all his disciples at once all the time, right? And that's not really how video games work, but that's how this is displayed to work. I don't really have a problem necessarily with that with, like, Tiger Wolf and Maggie, because they're supposed to be, like, two of the top players in the world. It's Yuki that you're talking about. Yuki, Koichi, even Ayame. Because we don't know how close they are to supporting each other, to being able to support one another. Yuki, I think, also gets a bit of a pass because he's displaying his new Gumpla. Obviously, it's going to be super powerful in its debut. Ayame is the one that really sticks out to me as like, she's just a ninja. She's supposed to fast fight. She took the cleave feet, though, so she's killing a bunch of people at once. <laughs> I know why you don't immediately knock out Yuki, because like you said, that's it's the debut of his Gumpla. But I would have preferred to have like another explanation for why they're not all immediately knocked out of the... Not, not maybe not immediately, but like show them doing more because they're not they're not taking cover. They're not doing anything like that. They didn't like Koichi didn't even really modify his gunplay to change anything. And without having that heavy fire support, they didn't arm the shuttles they brought in this time. Honestly, I don't know why you wouldn't arm them if you could. Or alternatively, have one of them sacrifice themselves so the other two survive. Because that kind of answers that question while raising the stakes. Yeah. Dramatically speaking, at least. That will do it for this week, then. Join us next week when we will be watching episode 24, Decisive Battle. We're almost there. Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? Um, I'm going to say this is pretty Gundam. Zach? Yeah, I think I have to go with that, too. It's, this is Gundam here. We're using a, uh, a ploy... And a character flying down a literal trench at one point in this uh, episode here. So I I think it's got to be Gundam. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.